Man, happy Easter, everyone. Um, what a wonderful day, a day of celebration. I'm excited. You know, we've done something a little different um, online this week. We've been celebrating Holy Week. Um, starting last Sunday here for Arlington campus. Uh, we've also got our San Angelo campus in West Texas where I live. And, uh, but we uh, had a celebration of Holy Week starting with Palm Sunday last week with Pastor Kevin, our campus pastor here, kicking that off. And then every day during this week, we've been acknowledging the pathway that Jesus took when he walked the earth leading up to the cross and beyond the cross, ending yesterday with Silent Saturday. Um, if you didn't get a chance, you can, you can check those out and, and uh, even communion. You can do that uh, even online. I was the one that did that Thursday uh, for, uh, for Passover, uh, celebration communion. And so anyway, I just, it's been exciting. I just really have loved what we've done online and, and preparing. I do have to confess a little bit though. I mean, we are in church. I might as well confess something. Yeah. Um, I didn't do communion on Thursday, like because I recorded the communion message. Like, so when Thursday came and it was time for me to watch Thursdays, I didn't want to watch myself on video. And so like, I told, and then like, I didn't realize until I was like, Oh, because I never watched myself, I never took communion. Oh, man. So anyway, so there's my confession, um, but, it, but it's, all, it's all online. So, so I live in West Texas, middle of nowhere, San Angelo. You may not have heard of it. That's okay. Uh, no geographical test or anything like that. But um, I live right down the road from the Texas State Park, the San Angelo Texas State Park. I got a picture here uh, to show you all. And uh, in this picture, so during quarantine... I took my mountain bike back from my worship leader. Uh, he wasn't using it anymore during quarantine. I had nowhere to go. And I took it back. I was like, oh, let me try this again. I tried to get into mountain biking. And this is like my main entrance right here with the cattle guard. And uh, through, through the arch uh, kind of entryway there. And, and on the mountain bike, it's really great. I just, I just hit that. I got big knobby tires. And I just roll over it. And it's all good. And uh, have a lot of fun out there in the middle of nowhere with all the, the foxes and the, the javelina pigs, and uh, I had my video every week. I've got a video I had to show Pastor Shabank's little boys, and I had javelina pigs. I'm, I was coming around a corner, and there was a whole family of pigs. It was a family reunion, apparently, and I broke it up, and, uh, and they all started scattering, and, and it was fun anyway. Longhorns, all that kind of stuff. Well, this year, I decided, well, let's, let's try something new. I started trail running this year. And so instead of jumping on the bike, I'm throwing on the knobby shoes and, and going out there to run and, and do this kind of thing. And, and, um, and so I enter the same place. I park in the same place, go into the state park, and, and I'm running uh, or, or stepping over the weird cattle guard, or the, the big holes that prevent the longhorns from coming through the gates. And I found myself, you know, it's like don't sprain an ankle before you start. And, and then, of course, you get done running, and you're, you're, you're zapped, and you're tired, and you're coming back. And all of a sudden, one day, I finally realized something, that I didn't have to be stepping over the cattle guard this whole time. You see, right next to the cattle guard is this little gate. It says, keep gate closed. That's an unlocked gate that's just on a swivel. So the whole time that I've been, like, weirdly stepping over the cattle guard in my tennis shoes, I could have been walking through the gate the whole time. How many times do we do that in life? You know, even as Christians, like, 
that we get this new thing that happens in our life, but we still have an old way of doing things, the things that we're conditioned to do. I mean, we all have a certain upbringing by our parents with certain beliefs and, and systems of ideas and, and way to see the world and perspectives and, and paradigms. And, and yet, uh, and, and then, of course, in, in our, our surroundings and our friends and where we grew up and, and, and different things like that. And, and so we, we have all these things that we're predisposed to that really shape our process and how we think and how we function and how we behave. Everything down to just cultural differences of, of how we do things even at the dinner table. Um, to even, uh, obviously, it goes so much deeper. And then something comes along and we're like, yes, a new thing has come, but I still find myself doing it the same old way. Of course, our brain likes this. Our brain says, oh, I've created a groove here, though. Don't get me out of my groove. I want to keep firing the same way. I liked what I was doing. Even if it didn't work, your brain likes it. Can I get an amen? Does somebody know what I'm talking about this morning? Even though you know that this system, this thing is not even working for you, but your brain just can't seem to get out of that groove that it has formed, and it becomes tough. I had that happen on the mountain bike all the time, and then my brain, like, I get off, and I'm like, I got to try to wake myself up to, to get on. Otherwise, I, I like I, just two days ago, I crashed into this big spiny thing, and I'm like getting out of it, I'm like pulling thorns out of the backside. Anyway, I, I just couldn't get my brain on the track it needed to get. It was liking where it was. This word I'm going to use is revival. It's this word, and a lot of church people, you might have gotten excited just now. I said, revival. We're going to have revival up in here. And you're like, yeah, like especially after Pastor Chris, after what he just said, like, yeah, we're going to have revival. But let me assure you that even if you're not churched, even if you're not even sure about this Jesus thing, this Christian thing, this church thing, and you're here, revival is a word that we all know. Revival is a word that we all believe, that we all desire, because revival is simply to bring something to life, to bring something new, to, to make it alive. And I don't know about you, but this life is hard. And we often end up with dead things in our life, dead situations in our life. We, we encounter relationships that, that, aren't, that aren't going the way they thought they would, whether it's, it's, it's spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends or kids or, or extended relatives or even that, that work relationship of, of that coworker and how you, you thought that business partner you thought was going to work out and y'all were going to mesh so well and y'all were going to take the world and, 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 and do all of this and, 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 and things just didn't work out. You, you thought you had this financial plan and this educational plan and, and things didn't work out like you had hoped or planned or thought. You dreamed such a dream and then you found yourself in this situation of, of something dead, something not working. Revival, it's this thing that we desire even if we don't know that it is the thing we desire. Revival, it's the thing we want, it's the thing we're excited for. Imagine the people with Jesus walking the earth, they're walking with the Savior, the Messiah, and the disciples and the many other followers. Revival, yes. Revival, it's what we want. Psalm, uh, uh, Palm Sunday, we, we we shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, as the palm leaves. God, save us. Save us from this world because we are not free. We are bound under the oppression of this empire. We said, God, save us. We're all looking for this, 
this thing, this new thing, this modification of the old thing. We're tired of it. We know it's not working. We want to change it. I need a new thing. I was thinking in dealing with the resurrection. Here we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but Jesus, he gave us a glimpse before the time came. In John chapter 11, you find the story of Lazarus, his friend who dies. And I love when Jesus, and he's going into this situation, and he says, Jesus said, you know, you got the, the sisters, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. See, with revival, the thing we need is a revelation. We need a revelation of who Jesus is, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is in our life. And, we, when we, and Jesus comes and he, he consistently, con- continually gives us a revelation of who he is. He shows us all these miracles. The woman caught in adultery and, and he, he draws a line in the sand not to keep people out, but to show who's accepted. He, he, he goes to the people who are demon-possessed and, and, and have leprosy who you, you should not even get close to, and he touches them. We see Jesus over and over giving us a revelation of who he is, the living water, the bread of life, the resurrection. We see Jesus continually showing us who to accept, who to love, who to go after. Oh, the woman at the well, let me send you all away so I can have some, some time to talk to her and show her the love of God. Let, let, let's have these situations. And I love after this Lazarus, we continue to see Jesus trying to give us some revelation. In, in John chapter 12, I, this whole chapter was speaking to me this week, which I had several ideas that I wanted to preach. Uh, one of those was like, I had a whole basketball, talking about basketball, I had like a whole sermon I was thinking about for like ORU because March Madness, and they're, like, making their way. It's like, by the way, their motto is, like, expect a miracle, and that's exactly what they were getting. And they finally didn't quite make it, and they finally got kicked out. And I'm like, oh, well, they weren't that sermon. I'm like, man, I had this whole, this whole thing planned out, but if they're not in the final four, I don't know if I can ride that one. But, uh, but anyway, in John chapter 12, back to the point. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care for nothing for the life in this world will keep it for eternity. Say eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. This revelation that Jesus is giving us, can imagine what the people were experiencing, were hoping for. But I don't know about you, but in my life I found an interesting thing. For, for much of my life, and a trap that I still tend to get caught up in, is I tend to spell revelation incorrectly. I tend to misspell revelation. As a Christian, we're so often desiring a revelation, but, but too often I found myself spelling revelation as revolution. And let me explain. You see, the people, they're looking for a revelation because they're looking for a revolution. Now, revolution... Again, we, we can define this not even within the, the church too much, although, I mean, Jesus at one point, he's challenged about who he is. And he says, 
you're looking for the revolutionary, but you've got me standing here. You know, Jesus stands next to a revolutionary with Pontius Pilate. There's a man named Barabbas, Barabbas, and he's standing there next to Barabbas, who was a man who had murdered, killed. He was a leader of an insurrection trying to revolt against the empire. And Jesus stands there next to this man. Who's the revolutionary in this situation? Who's the one that people were calling out for, crying out for? Pontius Pilate says, I give you two men, one who is clearly innocent and one who is clearly guilty, and who do you want? And the people shout, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. We take the guilty one. Pontius Pilate trying to clear himself. Jesus is giving a revelation, but the people are wanting a revolution. How often in our lives are we looking for that same revolution, a change to our situation and circumstances? We can talk about political revolutions. We can talk about environmental revolutions. We can talk about just revolutions within our own family structures and dynamics and situations, revolutions in our our mindsets and revolutions to all these different things. You see, revolutions to me is like getting a new thing, but yet it's still not working out. I'm still walking over, which, by the way, even though I realize there's a gate there, I'm still walking over the cattle guard, still doing it. And yet we find ourselves wanting these changes in circumstances, and these aren't bad things. Many of you, you're here, and you you recognize you're in this place on Easter this day of celebrating the risen Christ because you know that there is such a a deep desire for change. You've recognized these things that just aren't working in your life. And and this idea of revolution isn't necessarily inherently bad in in and of itself. It's it's something we desire. It's as, oh, I don't like this situation in my community or I don't like this situation in my family or in in my head, I don't, I don't like this anymore. I need a change to come. I, I, I need to get free from this addiction. I need to get free from this way of processing the world around me. I need a revolution in my life in whatever way that is. We come to church for change. We pray for change. We desire change above so many things in our lives, knowing that because if things don't change, I may not make it. My marriage may not make it. My parenting may not make it. My job may not make it. And so many things are dependent upon this change. But so many times we look at revolution as this outside circumstantial thing around us. It's in our environment, but not even within ourselves. It's, oh, I need that coworker to quit acting a fool and get their stuff together and quit blaming me for things because I know I'm doing my job. They ain't doing their job. Anybody with me? No? I work for a church, by the way, in case you didn't know. I'm not talking about anybody specific, though. We have these desires, these things we recognize. In the church, we're so often looking for revival, and we need the revelation, but we're looking for the revolution. Jesus, in John chapter 12, back in the story, it says, then Jesus told them, See, there was a voice that came from heaven, came from God. And Jesus says, the voice was for your benefit. Oh, like, man, Jesus, man, give me some more of that for your benefit. Yes, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Say cast out if you're with me today. 
And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself, he said. And he said this to indicate how he was going to die. And the crowd responded. How many times did Jesus say something that was like, the beatitude what? Uh, blessed are the what? Love your who? Mm. And the crowd responded, we understood from the scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who is the Son of Man anyway? Like all of a sudden, like, Jesus, okay, what I believe is not lining up with this new thought that you're giving me. Because I've always believed this about eternity and about the Messiah who would come. He's going to live forever. So how are you going to die? We saw this with the disciples, right? He's telling them, even at Passover, my time is coming. No, Jesus, it can't be that time. Peter, you need to back up. You need to back up off me right now. You need to chill out. Okay. And he tells him again. He said, okay, I'll go die with you. Sure, Peter. Yeah. And someday you will, but not, out, not before you deny me even three times before the rooster crows, right? Those of us, we've been in church sometime. We were aware of that. Peter even leaving all the other disciples. Yeah, we're not going to die. We'll go die with you as well. Mm-hmm. And we saw who was at the feet of Jesus when the time came the cross. The people, they, they, they couldn't quite wrestle because their idea of revolution didn't line up with this revelation. What is the thing that we're desiring so much? Because the revelation can often be missed when we are instead looking for the revolution. The change cannot be the focus, though. So often, in, in, especially in the church world, and if and, and not just speaking just to the church world or just to Christians or just to those of us that even believe in Jesus, but so often we get so focused on the, the change itself, and that becomes our complete desire. I remember years ago, I remember, man, trying to, trying to break a habit. Uh, it used to be uh, and not against anyone who still is or chooses, whatever, but I was a smoker for a long time, and... and um, Smoking when I was a teenager, and then one day, and it's like, okay, I got to be done with this. Try to kick that habit, and kick that habit, and again, and again. Anybody with me, you, you had one of those habits, uh, whatever it may have been, maybe it's tobacco, drugs, whatever, and you like, you found yourself in this cycle. You're just trying, try, and you're trying to, with everything within your own strength and mights to break this habit. You're watching all the motivational videos. Oh, I can just do this. I can do this. I replace it with this. I can just hold a pen. Like, whatever it might be. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying a lot of things right now. And you've been trying so hard in and of yourself, focused on the end results. If I can just strive hard enough, if I can just work hard enough, if I can just believe just hard enough, then maybe, just maybe, maybe I can overcome this. I can break free of this. The revolution of what we desire. And I remember just focusing so hard. I remember just failing and failing and failing time and again. And just wasn't coming through. Those times of failure that we feel like looking at Jesus on the cross. Imagine the disciples and the failure they would have felt in that moment. That's my savior. That's my rabbi. That's my teacher. That's my friend. It's the man who 
we just broke bread and drank wine with celebrating Passover. I can, I can barely recognize him. I only recognize him because I've been with him for three years. I walked with him. I'm, I'm covered in the dust of his sandals because I've followed him for three years. And we're in this failure moment. I'm dying on the cross. My Savior, how can this be? How can this be, my Jesus? And where am I? Where am I hiding? Where am I cussing at a little girl that, that challenges me, that I must be one of his followers, and no, I'm not? Where am I hiding in the home, just in disbelief and dysfunction? Where, where is my revolution? And Jesus on this cross. The problem is, as we're all looking for revolution, from a revelation because we need a revival, the thing that we really need in our lives is a resurrection. The crucifixion is not a defeat overturned by the resurrection. The crucifixion is a victory revealed by the resurrection. The cross leading to the resurrection of Jesus I love this. Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, back in John chapter 12, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also the God who sent me. And I love this part of Jesus. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. When you are seeing me healing, you are seeing the God who sent me. When you see me loving, you are seeing the God who sent me. When you are seeing me being silent in the face of this situation, you are still seeing the God who sent me. When you are seeing me speak up, you are seeing the God who sent me. When you are seeing me take on the sin of humanity through the violence that was oppressed upon me, you are seeing the God who sent me. When you see me hanging on this cross, you are still seeing the God who sent me. When you are seeing me being taken down as a deceased man for burial, to be placed in a tomb, you are seeing the God who sent me. And now it's how often we're looking for this revolution. But what we need is a resurrection. I don't, know, I don't even always understand this. It doesn't always make sense because so often, even though we know this, the resurrection doesn't make sense. Even though we understand how a seed works, the resurrection still doesn't always make sense, especially in our situations. But, but, but what does this look like in my situations and, and what is this supposed to be? By the way, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Bug's Life. I love that movie. Old animated movie. Um, some of y'all young ones, you, I mean, it's animated. Maybe you know what it is still. Um, but uh, I, I can watch that movie anytime, which, by the way, when the flea gets burned, some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just go watch it later. Make it part of an Easter thing. Um, it works out. It's an amazing story. I mean, come on, the riffraff, they're adopted in, taken, and they're like all scammers, right? And all of a sudden, they become heroes, and there's like this situation, spoiler alert, doesn't matter, it's too old, you don't count anymore if you got it, spoiler alert. And, uh, and, uh, 
But like when the flea gets burned, I will cry laughing every single time. I just watch that part on repeat. Um, I like, oh my goodness, I just love that part. But I love in this movie because there's, there's the caterpillar Heimlich. Who remembers Heimlich? And, uh, and he's that, 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 that voice. I'm not even sure what voice it is. And, and, uh, and he's this amazing caterpillar. And he's doing what caterpillars do. He's eating all the time. And he's getting into trouble. And he's, he's, he's so funny. And, and this caterpillar, well, who knows what caterpillars turn into? Well, they're supposed to turn into butterflies. I got a picture of Heimlich here. Oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, Heimlich, he finally goes through his chrysalis process, the transformation process. And Heimlich still looks exactly the same with just butterfly wings stuck on. (laughs) By the way, this is how I define revolution so many times in our lives. That we're just trying to take the same old me and a little bit of Jesus. That it's going to be my same old situation, but I, but I heard the gospel. I heard the good news of Jesus. Let me add a little bit of Jesus onto my situation. My, my, my same thought process that I'm trapped in of anger or, or racism or, or, or um, just stuck in my financial disparity. And let me just try to add a little bit of Jesus. That's so often how we look at a revolution. It's, 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 it's this change that doesn't ever really work as a real change. And as much as I love the character and I love the situation, but the power that goes through a chrysalis formation of a, of, a, of a caterpillar truly becoming a butterfly, complete change, complete transformation that looks nothing like it did before. Because that's a resurrection. That's what Jesus is looking for in this situation. That's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. These dead things that we recognize need a revival in our lives, Jesus is coming along and saying, my death, burial, and resurrection wasn't just about your salvation. It wasn't just about your sin. It wasn't just about your hang-ups and your addictions. I I wanna bring life not just to you, but your whole life, a life abundant, a life beyond what you knew, not just an eternal life after you die, but an eternal life right here and right now, a life beyond what you can comprehend in your situation. What you're looking for is a revolution, and what I want to give you is a resurrection. I want to make dead things come to life because I want to speak light into the darkness. I want to speak life to what's not even there and bring it to forth. That's what I want to do as Jesus Christ. We so often, we have this famous scripture that so many of us know, whether we're churched or unchurched, yet we still tend to know this one. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the rest of the verse, but whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I realize just this morning, this trap that I'm too often fallen into, and maybe you can identify with, with me with, uh, in, in, in this situation, because so often as I envision this, this, his only begotten son, I always picture Jesus on the cross. The suffering, dying for my sins, my mistakes, Jesus on the cross. Even though this verse ends with, but have everlasting life. Too often in my life, and maybe you're even here on Easter recognizing that this is about the Resurrection Sunday, but how often do we get hung up at the cross and we don't make it past? 
we get hung up on, yes, the Jesus, thank you for forgiving me my sins and making me, but we don't get past the cross. We get stuck at the feet of Jesus. And let's be real, I don't know about you, but I'm like most of the disciples that all too often, I wasn't stuck at the feet of Jesus. I was stuck at the house after Jesus had died, and I'm scared with the door locked, trying to hide out, because what's next? The fear of the unknown has overtaken me, and instead of being at the feet of Jesus and that even being my hang-up, I find myself hiding. I find myself like, Peter, I'm going to go back fishing. I'm suddenly, you know what? I know I encountered that Jesus in church one time or church camp, being like my teenage years, and, uh, and I encountered that Jesus, but now I'm back in my world and my paradigm and my way of thinking. I'm just going to yeah, I'm just going to mosey on back over here and uh, I'm just going to go back to that relationship. I'm just going to go back to that addiction. I'm just going to go back to, to watching the same thing or doing the same thing or listening to the same thing, telling myself the same poison that I've always told myself, putting myself down in my shame and my anxiety and my depression. And I'm just going to sit over here in the same situation. And Jesus is saying, listen, the cross is good, and what I paid for at the cross is irreplaceable. And, and, and the value, and listen, oh, the value at which Jesus would go to pay that price for you. Know how valuable you are. But it didn't end there. It didn't stop there. And we find ourselves in the resurrection. And here's what I love. If, if you wrote, uh, if you're going to write one thing down, tell yourself this. The resurrection is what puts the good in the good news of the gospel. Can I get an amen? The resurrection is what puts the good in the good news of the gospel. It is the thing. It is the exclamation point. It is the point that, that we focus on. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes and just listen to my voice and not be distracted as much as possible by the things going on around you here today? Maybe you're here today. Here in a moment, we're going we're gonna to worship one last song, but maybe you're here today and you're recognizing this desire for a revival in your life, a revival in your situation. It's that relationship. It's those finances. It's that job. It's that sickness, it's that doctor's report. You're desperate for a revival. You recognize that, that you're in need, that this is well beyond you and your control and your situation and your, even your understanding. Maybe the revival is not even in your circumstances and your situations, but maybe it's even inside. You've, you've desired to be a more kind, loving person, but yet you still find yourself in the midst of frustration. You still find yourself in the midst of anger because things just aren't working out or they're just not doing what you think they should do. It's revival in the midst of the addiction. And you, you, you know you need the revelation of Jesus Christ in the situation. But too often, if you're anything like me, you've, you've been trapped spelling revelation as revolution. If something can just change, maybe, maybe I can just try harder and change this situation. I can just try harder to do the right thing. I can just try harder. 
whatever it might be. And you're looking for this change in yourself. You're looking for this change in your environment, in your situations, in your circumstances. That maybe, maybe if the change just happens, I can finally do this thing. If I can just finally win one. And then maybe in the midst of all the situation, you recognize right here and right now that you acknowledge that the thing that you always needed was actually a resurrection. And there's no magic formula, and sometimes things don't make sense. And, and if I can tell you right now, I remember when I finally broke my addiction, I can't even fully understand it. I can't quantify it. I can't mathematically like lay out a formula of how I got from point A to point B because at some point there was just this moment of God intervening in my life. My desires changed. My freedom changed. But not through because of my efforts or situations or circumstances like a revolution. I believe full-heartedly in this moment that there was a resurrection of my life, a resurrection of my mind, a resurrection of my spirit and my desires, a resurrection that was going on and making dead things live. And you say, yes, there's something, there's an area in my life that I, I, I feel like is dead and I needed to live. I feel like it's dying, and I, and I wanted to—I want to save it, but I realize it's beyond my own control and my own efforts and my own strength. And if you're here this morning and you find yourself in this situation, I want to pray for you. And you can stay seated, and if you would, just maybe turn your palms up to God. to release whatever it is you've been holding on to, the control, the comfort. Maybe sometimes to even open our palms and releasing, it even hurts because we've been gripping so tightly for so long that our brain likes that and we haven't, we haven't learned, we haven't had that resurrection to even open our hands, to be vulnerable to let go of what we hold on to, to say, God, what do you want to place in my life? And I believe this is a miracle moment right here for some of you. You're making a declaration with your, your, your hands open towards God, sitting there, focus on Jesus right now. That God wants to do something in your life right here and right now. That you're letting go of your own strength and efforts to, to overcome, to revolutionize the situation, to say, Yes, Jesus, a resurrection is what I need. Yes, Jesus, I need you more than me. If I hold on to my life, I will lose it. But you said that if I will let go of my life, that I will find it. I don't understand this resurrection logic, Jesus, that you give me. But I'm going to trust you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would place in the hands of each and every one of us that we're saying, we're looking to you, we're turning to you, and we say, God, we need more of you and less of me. I need more of your eternal life and less of my own efforts. I need more of you and less of me. I need more of your love and less of my anger. I need more of your freedom and less of my addiction. I need more of your peace and less of my frustration. I need more of your guidance and less of my opinion. I need more of who you are and less 
of my ways that have been formed by the world instead of by heaven. Heaven come right now in the name of Jesus. Heaven come, your will be done in the name of Jesus. God, we are asking for a miracle in our lives. We are asking for a miracle in our families. We are asking for a miracle in our finances, a miracle in our jobs, a miracle in our communities, a miracle in whatever it is that we're believing for here right now in this time. And if you're with me, give God an amen and amen and celebrate him, praise him right now. Thank him for who he is in your life. Let's stand right now. We're going to worship God one last time, and service is not over. This is a time for us to press in and during this song to hear God's voice, to hear God speaking to us, hear God showing us something, not just a life, but a resurrection life, not just a life, but an eternal life, a life abundant of what he wants to do. This is a time for God to continue moving in our lives as we worship and praise him in Jesus' name.